When you desperately want a child, it can seem like everyone is having children. <laughs> or when you need a job, someone else has three offers on the table. Good job. So what do you do when you feel barren and others appear fulfilled? Do you blame God? God may not have caused the barren places in your life, but listen, God will use the barren places in your life to get you to understand just how dependent upon God you need to be. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. How you handle the barren places in your life can be a reflection of where your relationship with God is. Today, Charles Tapp shares the story of Hannah from the Bible, who found grace in the midst of her barrenness and what you can learn from it with his message, Barren But Blessed. And as we continue our trek back to the Bible, as we begin to look at stories that are familiar to some but not so familiar to others, our prayer is this, as we go back to God's Word, that our hearts will be drawn back to Him. We began part one of our series titled, Dead Men Walking, where we took a look at the life of Enoch. And as you know, the Bible doesn't give us very much information about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, other than he walked with God and he was no more, for God just took him. It, it's, he snatched him away. And we began to ask the question, did his walk with God somehow play a part in Enoch being snatched by God from this earth and taken to heaven. And as we learned, it did, but not in the way that many of us believed. For many of us thought that, that Enoch's walk with God was just so perfect and it was so sinless that God was so impressed that he just looked at him and reached down and took him as a token of perfection. But when you read Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us that it was not his walk of perfection that really pleased God, but rather it was his walk, his perfect walk of faith that pleased God. And as you look at that story of Enoch, it is one of the best illustrations of righteousness by faith. For by taking Enoch, God was telling us today that it's not by our works and it's not by our sinless life that we are receiving salvation, but rather we receive salvation because our faith in God is perfect, it is complete, it is in nothing else. And that's why Paul says, for by grace all we say through our faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. And guess what? You and I have no right to boast. Who says amen to that today? For if you thought Enoch's walk was sinless and that's how he made it, if that was the case, you and I would be lost today. But it was his perfect walk of faith that he was able to access God's gift of salvation through grace. And today we draw our attention to the story of Hannah. And as we shall see, it is also a story about God's grace. 
but it is the grace of a different kind. And Hannah's story begins in 1 Samuel in the first chapter. And this plot, as it continues to unfold here, we will see that there are basically four main characters to this story. And that's Elkanah, the husband of Hannah, Peniah, the wife of Elkanah, Hannah, also the wife to Elkanah, and Eli, a priest of the temple. Now, without knowing anything else about this story, you can already begin to see that it is a recipe for a very interesting story because it says that Elkanah had two wives. Now, how many of you already know that that's a formula for disaster? Elkanah had two wives, and it wasn't that God ordained polygamy, but that's what was prevalent in that particular culture. So the Bible being a history book as well, simply records the fact that he had two wives. It wasn't a God-ordained thing. For if it was, why is it that only men could have multiple spouses and not women? <laughs> this was a byproduct of the male-dominated Jewish culture. The women know where I'm going with this. So let's pick up the story today in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and let's take a look at verses 4 to verse 6. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 4 to verse 6. The Word of God says, And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Paniah his wife and to all, what? Her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her what? Womb. And her rival also provoked her severely, talking about Peniah, to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Now, this has trouble written all over it for several reasons. The first, as I've already mentioned, he had two wives. Secondly, there was the jealousy of Paniah because she was jealous of Hannah because Elkanah loved her so much. Then there was the heartbreak that, that Hannah would endure day in and day out because the Bible says that she was without child. She was barren. And in that particular culture, at that particular time, if a woman was barren, she was believed to be cursed by God. And if you had many children or even one child, it was thought to be a blessing. Now, here's another issue that I've got problems with. Why is it that if a woman can't bear a child, she's cursed and not the man? We know through technology and medicine today that many times it's not the woman that has the issue, but it's the what? It can be the man. But that culture wouldn't allow even that thinking. It had to be this woman, and she has to be cursed by God. Again, another byproduct of this male-dominated culture. And let me tell you something, as long as we live, I believe that's going to be the way it is. Men, we just think we, we rule, but we don't. Women do. <laughs> Women do. My father used to have a little sign in, his, in the kitchen my mom gave him. 
gave it to him one Father's Day, and it says, I'm the boss of this house, and I have my wife's permission to say so. <laughs> Women rule. Women rule the home, they rule the government, and they rule the church. Trust me, they do. Then you had the issue of the favoritism that Elkanah would show to his wife Hannah and the preferential treatment he would give her. And, and, and most the, theologians and historians believe that, that Hannah was Elkanah's first wife because she could not bear a child. He went out and got another wife who he really did not love. He loved the first wife. There's more to this story, dear friends, than meets the eye. Let's go to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 21. And I want us to look at verses 15 to verse 17. Elkanah gave Hannah a double what? Portion. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy. If a man has how many wives? Two wives, one loved and the other what? Unloved. Does that sound familiar already? And they have borne him children, both the loved and the unloved. And if the firstborn son is of her who is what? Unloved, then it shall be on the day he bequeaths his possessions to his sons that he must now bestow firstborn status on the son of the loved wife in preference to the son of what? The unloved, the true firstborn. Did you get that? Listen, you have two wives. If the one you love doesn't give you children, but the one you don't love does, you are to give that wife a double portion. Stay with me. Who got the double portion here? Hannah. And she had no children. There's more to this story than meets the eye. Because when you look at the meaning of Hannah's name, it means grace. So this is more than just a story about a woman who was barren and could not have a child. This is a story of grace. And by Elkanah giving her a double portion, he was giving her more than what the law allowed. In essence, he was giving her grace. He was giving her more than he, or rather more than she deserved. So in the story of Hannah, God is letting us know, listen, the law says you deserve death. But I'm going to give you more than you deserve. I'm going to give you grace. Who says amen to that today? She didn't deserve anything, but because God wanted to show her grace, Elkanah gave her a double portion. Aren't you glad today that God doesn't give you what you deserve? I don't know about you, but I am. Because if I got what I deserved, I would be in trouble. Elkanah's treatment of his wife, Hannah, represents how God treats us when we don't live up to his expectations of us. When instead of being fruitful, we find ourselves bearing no fruit. We find ourselves falling short of the mark. Has anybody fallen short of the mark this week? God will give you more than you deserve. And if you look closely here, you will see that Penina's treatment 
of Hannah mirrors how the enemy responds to any child of God that is willing to accept the grace of God. You see, Penina's constant mistreatment of Hannah represents the enemy and how he makes it his life's work to remind you and to remind me why we don't deserve to be treated by God the way we are. And that's what she did constantly. She would constantly remind, remind Hannah, listen, you don't have any child, children. You are cursed by God. Your womb is barren. But she did that because she was jealous because her husband gave her more than she deserved. And that's the work of the enemy to let us know, to have us think that we don't really deserve what God has given us. And it's his life's work, dear friends, to point out every shortcoming, every misstep, every mistake that we make in life so that we will try to make void the grace of God in our lives. Many of us, like, like Hannah, we feel as though we have failed God. We feel as though we are a failure because we have not produced fruit in the areas where we should be fruitful. Because her womb was not a desert. A womb is a place of life. It is a place of the living. But instead, what was life, full of life, should have been full of life, was dead. Are there any areas of your life that should be full of life, but they are barren? And because they are, you feel as though you are a failure. My daughter brought home her report card. Students today don't like showing report cards. But many people feel as though they are failures because of the report cards of life that they have been given. And that's why many people don't even want to come to the church because church people make them feel like failures. You have paninas in the pulpits. Preachers who are preaching a graceless gospel. You have paninas in the pews. People who are willing to point out everything that is wrong with you. They are able to see the, the speck that is in your eye, but they can't see the moat that is blocking their own vision. Paninas. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Barren but Blessed. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. I'm going to take a moment and just recommend that you breathe. Now, there are all kinds of breathing techniques that you can use. One is count to 10, you know, breathing in, count to 10, breathing out, kind of hold it in the middle, you know, breathing in His grace and breathing out His praise. Whatever you choose, breath is really important. And this time of year, you know, you may have a cold or you may have the flu and it's restricting your breathing. So you know just how important that is. God has given you that breath. In Acts, Paul wrote this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven 
heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. And so take a moment and take a deep breath and stay encouraged. To get more encouraging content, go to WGTS919.com. This is Simple Truths for Life, and today, Charles Tapp explains how you handle the barren places in your life is a good barometer for how strong your faith is. He shares how Hannah in the Bible, who couldn't bear children, adds an example of how to find God's blessings in those moments. Let's return to the rest of his message, Barren But Blessed. In that society, a woman's prestige depended on her ability to produce children, especially a son. And because she was not able to, the culture says that she was cursed by God. In verses 5 and 6, it literally says that, that God closed her womb. And it doesn't mean that that's what happened, but that's how the culture felt in that day, that if a woman could not conceive, then it was God who did it. Scripture is merely recording the culture of that day. But we live in an age today where just about everything that is deemed as as being evil or being bad is somehow credited to God. If a building's blown up, then, then God was part of that. If there's a natural disaster, God did that. Whatever happened to a nation of people that believed that we were one nation under God? How is it that now that same God has become a creator of gloom and doom? How is it that all the bad stuff gets attributed to God? And what's even sadder is that many people who claim to follow God believe that same way. When things happen in your personal lives that bring you pain, one of the first questions you ask is, God, why did you allow that? Or why did you do that? Why did you let that happen? Listen, there are a lot of things that come into our lives that bring us pain simply because we made poor decisions and we blame God. Or decisions were made by others that impact us. Or the simple fact, listen, that we live in a sin-infested world. What do you expect? My daughter Tiffany came by our house yesterday and I had just cut the grass the day before. And as soon as she got out of the car, she started coughing and sneezing, and her eyes became red. And I said, what's wrong, Tiffany? She said, you cut the grass, man. That's how sensitive she is to that. We live in this world. What makes us think we're going to go through this sin-infested world unscathed simply because we love Jesus? That's a lie from the very pits of hell. And the scripture says Hannah's pain was so intense that she couldn't even eat. Have you ever been there? Have you had something trouble in your life so badly that you couldn't even eat? You didn't have an appetite. You didn't want to eat. You couldn't even sleep. Am I I by myself today? And women, I love Hannah's response, uh, Elkanah's response rather to Hannah in verse 8. When he found that she was distressed and crying and, you know, and going through what she was going through because she thought she was cursed by God, he said to her, listen, The fact that you have me, isn't that better than even having 10 sons? He needed to take a class on being a husband 101, didn't he? 
The number 10 is a number of completion. In other words, he was saying, should not be enough. Ladies, how many of you are willing to tell the truth today that regardless of how close you are with your spouse, he will never be enough? Uh-huh, you left me out there by myself, huh? Listen, there are some things in life that only God can feel. I don't care how close you are to your spouse. I don't care if you've been married 20, 30, 50 years. There's a void that is there that can only be filled by God. And that's why, men, when we, you go to your wife and you, you see her in tears and you ask her what's wrong, she tells you what? Nothing. Because she knows you can't do anything about it. In other words, Elkanah was simply saying, I should be able to fix this. And for the most part, men are fixers. You tell us your problem, the first thing we want to think about is, how can I fix this? Isn't that right, ladies? Some ladies are nodding their head. We're fixers. Guess what? You don't want us to be fixers. Not right away. You want us to listen. You want us to empathize. You want us to, to feel. And Scott, we're all about fixing. Here's the thing. As I said, there's more to this story than meets the eye. God is showing us through the life of Elkanah that there's nothing that human effort can do to change our condition. It is only through the power of God's grace. You can try harder. You can use all this, this self-improvement stuff that you get in the stores. Nothing can change our condition other than the grace of God. For we are impotent and our efforts are impotent in trying to change our condition. And if you read on in 1 Samuel, we're told that Hannah's pain was so unbearable that she went to the house of the Lord and, and she wept bitterly and she begged for God to bless her barren womb. And here is something, dear friends, that we dare not forget nor dismiss. And although she may have been barren by God. It was not by the hand of God, but God used her barrenness as an instrument in his hand to bring her to an understanding of her utter dependence upon him. And God may not have caused the barren places in your life, but listen, God will use the barren places in your life to get you to understand just how dependent upon God you need to be. I don't know what it is about being barren in certain areas of our lives, but when we're going through these barren times, it appears as though everybody around us is fruitful in the areas where we're barren. You can't have a child, but your next door neighbor had five. You can't find a job, but your friend has three job offers. Are you cursed by God? Or are you going to let God to use your barrenness to teach you Dependence. And that's how we should deal with these issues in life that bring us to our knees. We should use them as a way to cause us to depend more and more upon God. And that's why I love the book by O. Hallisby titled Prayer. He says, helplessness is your greatest prayer. It is greater than any plea you can utter to God. I love that. Because there are times in my life I don't even know what to say. I just present my helplessness before God. And that is the greatest prayer you can ever pray. 
And here she was at the, at the tent praying with her lips, but nothing was coming out. So Eli, the priest, thought she was drunk. But here's the thing. The reason why she was praying with her lips, but no words were being heard, because if her husband Elkanah had heard her, he could have nullified the vow she was making to God. Because by the culture of that day, if you were a man who was married, you owned your wife. She was your property. There are some things, dear friends, we shouldn't share with anybody but God. Amen? And God is willing and available anytime to hear our prayers. But here's the other thing. Eli thought she was drunk. For Eli here represents the law. And all the law does is point out how we should live our lives and areas where we're not living our lives. But then Eli, on the other hand, flipped the coin and he became not the law of God, but the grace of God. And he granted her request for a son. And she wanted that son so badly. The Bible says that she was willing to give him to God even before he was born. Look at this quotation by Bishop Hall. The way to obtain any benefit is to devote it in our hearts to the glory of the God of whom we ask it. By this means shall God both please his servant and what? Honor himself. In other words, if you want something and you really want it bad enough, tell God, God, this is what I want, but I will give it to you. And that's what she did. In many cases, God doesn't give, the th give us the things that we desire because we're asking for them, and he knows that they will not bring honor and glory to him. And that's why James says you ask amiss because you ask for the wrong reasons. You've got the wrong motives, and you're not asking for them to glorify God, but you want this thing so that you can glorify yourself, and God says no. But what's really amazing about this whole story, as desperate as Hannah was to have a son, losing sleep, not eating, why aren't we that same way in our desperation to experience an encounter with God? Why is it there are things in this world that we want so badly, relationships that we want so intensely, that we lose sleep, we lose time, we don't want to eat, but when it comes to our relationship with God, we're not that intense about that. And that's the final lesson to this story. And that is God, listen, God will give us the things that he knows that are best for us. He will take our barren places and he'll make them fruitful. But what God wants more than anything, he wants us to have that desire for him that we have for these other things. How many of us are willing to ask God for something and in the same breath say to God, listen, I want you to give it to me, but I'm willing to give it to you even before you give it to me. God says, that's how I want you to feel about me, not things not stuff. I want you to want me with such a great desire that you lose sleep, you even lose your appetite because you're not satisfied with where you are in your relationship with me. All of us have barren places in our lives, dear friends. But here's the thing about God's grace. Enoch's walk with God shows us God's saving grace. But in the life of Hannah, God reveals to his people the grace of God's divine intervention in our lives. And that's all grace is. It is God's willingness to give us what we need, 
In one case, it was salvation. In another case, it was a son. But in both cases, it was the same thing. It was salvation. I want you to think about the barren place in your life right now. Where is that place in your life that you want to be fruitful? You expect it to be fruitful, but you feel barren. And because it's barren, you feel like a failure. You feel like you failed yourself, your family, and you feel like you failed even God. But today you want God's grace, not just his saving grace. You want God's divine intervention in your life to make that barren place a fruitful place. Think about that place right now. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Barren but Blessed. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. It takes struggle. It takes sacrifice. It takes what? Discipline. It takes training. You're not going to just come out of Egypt and go straight to the promised land. Why? You're not fit to go in yet. Next week, we hope you can listen in again as Charles Tapp continues with the third part in this series, Back to the Bible, by examining the Israelites' exodus from Egypt and what it can teach us today with his message, Out of Egypt. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.